on this week's episode raya and the last dragon roars onto disney plus just how good is imdb tv and is it time to be coming to america once again all this and more as we reach our next stop the pcc multiverse Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC multiverse this is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows and if you can please give us a five star review on apple Podcasts. plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos including helping us out on Twitch with our many RPG game streams that we do. Also as well, all the great interviews and so much more. Follow us on Twitch, follow us on YouTube, and follow us on Facebook. You can help us out any way possible. Please, it is greatly appreciated. And then also, if you can, check us out each and every time out right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We've got special episodes. In fact, we dropped one earlier this week with WandaVision episode 8 and nine thoughts from Noah Ian Fine and T.J. Johnson, who will actually be on this show as well. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is from Castle PCC on the Twitter and Instagram. You got to catch him there at Instagram and the Twitter, Castle PCC with a K. It is my good friend indeed. It is the mastermind behind all the drone stuff that he's going to be delving into once again. Hopefully he'll even show it on Twitch. It is Marcus De La Garza. And Marcus, great to have you back for everyone's quick pop culture update for the weekend. Yeah, man, it's great to be back. Big hello to the Pop Culture Cosmos family. Good to see you guys all again. And yeah, like you said, we've got some drone stuff going on. I ordered parts last week and, and this week both. I'm just waiting on things to come in. I like to dry fit things before I put everything together. So we'll be doing a stream uh, when everything's dry fit and we can actually start soldering some things and get this thing programmed and, and, and up in the air. So it'll be fun. It will be fun indeed. We've got a lot to talk about, though, on today's show. Another very newsworthy program. A lot of little news sprinkling out there this time around. Not the big heavy hitting episode that we had both on Friday and Monday, but there's a lot of cool stuff that's out there. In fact, we will be talking about all the movie releases that are coming out both in box office and to video streaming coming up this weekend. We'll be talking about that. Also, speaking of streaming, how sneaky good is IMDb TV? We'll talk about that and throw that out there to you coming up here in the episode. Plus, we'll be talking about The Simpsons real quick. They got renewed again. And they seem to get renewed not for just one season, but two seasons. So they're up to season 34 that they got renewed to. So we'll go ahead and pay homage to them coming up later in the show. Also as well, IGN recently brought out a list on the MCU of their best heroes ever. We take issues with it. So we'll go ahead and call them out a little bit coming up later in the program as well. 
Plus, we're going to be talking about a lot of great things, including a possible new Star Trek movie on the way. Again, will it come to fruition? We'll talk about that. Plus, more pushbacks for movies, which I know Marcus just absolutely loves to talk about. A movie getting delayed once again. We'll talk about that on the program as well. And PSVR announced some games, including the classic Doom 3 VR, which kind of intrigued me a little, but it's on VR. And even with the success or middling success of Oculus Quest 2 being brought down a price and being a brand new set, plus also an updated PSVR, is this going to change anything as far as getting people's interests into virtual reality? But first up, my friend, it is this weekend at the box office. And now with the box office out there across North America starting to open up a little, including major states like New York, Texas, even a little bit of California as well. I mean, just all over from the east to the west coast. They're starting to open up little by little. Of course, in Texas, it's actually a lot more than that coming up here next week. (laughs) But I want to hear your thoughts. This weekend is a nice little battle that's shaping up between Ryan the Last Dragon, which is hitting theaters and for a 30-buck charge, Disney+. Plus. You also have Coming to America 2 that is actually already on right now on Amazon Prime because it got pushed up a day. Interesting how that happens. Paramount Plus arrives, replacing CBS All Access on the 4th. There's also Ryan the Last Dragon, which is starting to be shown on theaters right about now as we're talking. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know, Coming to America 2, which was going to come out on Friday, gets dropped Thursday. So we'll talk about that here in a sec. Plus, Chaos Walking with such a great cast. Mads Mickelson, Tom Hyland, Daisy Ridley. Just a great cast. Nick Jonas, because I, if I didn't say Nick Jonas on there, one of my daughters would actually just, just, just bought me upside the head with that because she's a huge Jonas fan. I want to hear your thoughts on this weekend at the movies. Some of it's a hit and some of it's a miss. Yeah, man. I think the two big ones we definitely need to cover here is Raya and the Last Dragon and Coming to America. Two big titles that were you know set to be released here. Let's start with Brian the Last Dragon, man. Really, really, really cool cast here. You've got Aquafina, you've got Kelly Marie Tran, who played Rose in the Star Wars movies. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, sorry, I, I couldn't uh, come up with the uh, the name off the top of my head. Well, I but... don't want to come up with a name. A lot of people were saying when they left the theaters after that movie. But go Ooh, ahead, continue. It's got Benedict Wong in there. It's a heavy hitter when it comes to the cast list. We're really looking forward to it in this household. We actually might even pay the thirty dollar charge to watch it this weekend. Really looking forward to seeing the numbers on the other side. Gerald, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Disney Plus releasing their numbers as far as initial streams on some of their movies and stuff? Well, they're like all these streaming companies. Yeah, they, When they want to, they choose to. When they okay. don't, they won't. And it's usually right around investment time, quarterly earnings, things of that nature. Then they tell you like two, three months down the line exactly the type of interest on it. The best place to go, I'm going to tell you right now, is follow Nielsen. If you follow Nielsen, you know how obviously the masters of going ahead and determining the television ratings out there that they still do even to this day. They are now trying to get the best guess on what's going on in the streaming marketplace And Disney is starting to make a bigger and bigger imprint as far as the overall top 10. Because, yes, it's still dominated by Netflix because of the fact that they do have a 100 million subscriber lead on anyone else, including Disney+. Plus. But you're starting to see that imprint. WandaVision, Soul, 
The Mandalorian, they've all made their imprint into the top 10 of viewing and as far as interest is concerned and overall ratings. So you're going to see a lot of that this weekend. The only thing is we're going to gauge how this works again, like we did with Mulan with the $30 charge for Disney+. Ooh, Plus. Yeah, That's a thing where obviously it worked enough to where they're doing it again. Whether or not they will continue to do it with Black Widow or in the Marvel movies or any animated movies coming down the line. Interesting that they went one way with Soul and they went one way with Mulan. For me, I think it was a much bigger success with the way they distributed for Soul because it dominated the charts in late December and all throughout January because it was part of Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I'm not exactly 100% behind the move by making Raya 30 bucks. I thought they should just go ahead and go forward and make it a better part of the Disney Plus experience. Well, see, and that's, I think, where I disagree with you. I think having the $30 charge on a few of these movies is a good thing, just simply because it keeps premium content premium, right? It allows Disney Plus or Disney, the studios, to start recouping some of their costs on, on these movies right away, not just from the residual income coming in from the memberships or, you know, the memberships to Disney Plus. But it's, that's the ultimate goal is to get the subscriberships. It's not to right. you know, actually get the money up front. The ultimate goal is to keep you subscribing month after month. And if you have content that's there and available to everyone without having to go ahead and put it at a pay tier or behind a paywall, I think it just makes it much more attractive. I mean, what HBO Max is doing, I think, is in the conditions that are right now is probably the best way to go. It's just a different strategy is what they're trying here is, you know, they've got the ability to use some of their content to drive viewership and drive membership. And so if you make something exclusive as capitalistic beings, we tend to want to, you know, spend some money or make some money off some stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be that whole sect of people out in America that are just like, you know what? It's 30 bucks. Obviously it's great. Let's just go ahead and spend the money. So why not try and make the money off those people? I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just, you know, make some money off the off those people and get a little bit of extra money in your pocket, Disney Plus. Not like you need it, but you know, put a little extra money in your pocket. Let's make some better movies. Well, it is getting pretty solid reviews. So people that are watching it or people that have gotten advanced screenings of it are very happy with the product. Let's get into the kind of middling action as far as what mm. is thought of. And that is Coming to America 2, which has yeah. gotten mixed reviews so far. Coming to America 2 is the return from a movie that I truly enjoyed and I actually saw in the theaters back in the day and I thought was truly a special film, Coming to America. It does reunite Arsenio Hall and, of course, Eddie Murphy playing all the different characters and all the different roles within the confines of the film and bringing all back that nostalgia. And this is one time I think that nostalgia will work. I think that for Amazon Prime, this was a win for them acquiring this movie. I thought Paramount Plus, this would have been a great way to start Paramount Plus because I think this is a Paramount movie, if I'm not mistaken. And it's so funny that they start this network, Paramount Plus, on the same day that Amazon just says, you know what, we're going to show off Paramount movie right here in Coming to America too." Yeah, bold strategy by Amazon, just kind of raining on their parade. You know, the mixed reviews are, are really what's going to be the issue here. You know, does it detract overall from the Paramount Plus release? Yeah, maybe. And really, that's the business tactic that I think Amazon was was really trying to master here, and they, and they did. But yeah, mixed reviews. I, I was very surprised to see that 
Minneapolis Star Tribune had an article about it this morning that I, I, I just glanced over and they were talking about how Eddie Murphy, just not enough of him on screen. There's a lot of everybody else and that's fine, but you know, not enough Eddie Murphy on screen to really deliver the appearance that we were hoping for with this movie. You know, there's a lot of Leslie Jones in there. There's a lot of uh, everybody else and Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall even play other characters in the film like they did in the original. But it's just, it seems like the resounding review is we needed more Eddie. We needed more originality, not just everybody else in the storyline. Well, I think it's still because of the nostalgia, it's going to get a huge bump up in the first week or two. And again, it's like Amazon is giving the proverbial finger to Paramount Plus. Yeah. Because to not have a debut of your own network transferring over from CBS All Access and then to have a Paramount movie debut on another streaming outlet. I understand there was a payment involved and they sold off their, some of their assets, but this is where, again, we see, like for instance, with The Expanse on Amazon, where NBC Universal and in this case, Paramount, one department is thinking something as far as getting a quick sale or a quick dump off to save some cash and just not seeing in the long run that, hey, we've got this startup streaming service which we want to go ahead and do and that totally misses the mark yeah man it's definitely bad planning when it comes down to the business plan for this one i'm with you there it's 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 a shame to see what happened with it because i think paramount plus has the ability to be an outstanding network within the next six months man i i really enjoy a lot of the content what do you do if you're Paramount Plus? What do you do if you're NBC Universal? I mean, like you've made makes terrible absolutely de- no sense. Yeah, you've made terrible decisions on like a ton of properties over the last decade, at least. I can't imagine how much money they've lost just on the expanse alone. That's but for NBC of, Universal, by the yeah, way. Yeah, NBC me, Universal. Yeah. Sorry, you know, it's it's jumping back to Paramount. You know, it's just this is bad decisions here. It, unfortunately, they they're going to pay the price for it. I think their subscribership will be slow. Out the, uh, out the gate here over the next month. But, you know, we'll see them eventually jump on uh, with well, everybody else. And they're getting uh, everybody from CBS All Access anyways, aren't they? Yeah, they're getting CBS yeah. All Access, plus they're adding in new shows like the Real World Reunion, blah, 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 and all that stuff that they are adding. And eventually they're going to have the Halo series from Showtime that their Viacom said that it's going to not appear on Showtime that's being, being moved over Paramount+. Plus. Plus, they're going to get MI7 45 days after release. And they're also doing the same things as far as bringing in some extra content and talking about new shows. But to not have Coming to America 2 as part of that opening, I think, was a big miss for them. But you know what? Hey, they did it. They took the quick buck. But I want to get into the last part of the equation before we hit the break, my friend. And that is this chaos walking with an all-star cast, including, again, Tom Holland, Mads Mikkelsen, Daisy Ridley, and Nick Jonas. Those are the big names in the cast. And this is getting roasted over the coals as far as the overall rating is concerned. This is a movie that's been on the shelf for a while. And for Tom Holland, this is bust number two because the Russo movie that he did, Cherry is the latest one that he did as well. Mm -hmm. That one is also a bust for him. So that's two in a row for Tom Holland. Not a great sign, but then again, he's always got the Spider-Man movies that he can lean on. His arc is going in the same direction that Chris Hemsworth was for much of the time that Chris Hemsworth outside of Snow White and the Huntsman really had a hard time creating a hit outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it seems like Tom Holland is starting in that same direction as well. Yeah, it's unfortunate to see that because I think he is outstanding as a, as an actor. But at what point do you start looking at things and you say, ah, you're the common thread here? That being said, 
I had a chance to just briefly watch the trailer, but my wife really jumped into it. The comments I got from her were fantastic casting. The effects look beautiful. And this is a totally original storyline. She's really excited to watch it. You know, that means we're going to be definitely jumping into it this weekend. I'll have a full review for you next week if we really want to jump into this one and talk about whether how good it is or how terrible it actually was and whether or not Tom Holland actually had that strikeout again. I'm surprised we're actually verbalizing this because if we're in the world of chaos walking, we would just know each other's thoughts because the men on this planet knows each other's thoughts. We have this like special effects type deal coming out of their head. Just emanating from there. If you saw that, I kind of found that irritating to me, a little irritating, like low budget kind of, but that was just me. But then again, this movie's been on the shelf for a reason. Those are the kind of movies I fear because rarely are they a success when they sit on the shelf that long. And it wasn't just because of COVID. This has actually been on the shelf before then. Well, and you know, you kind of start asking yourself, do they really not put as much into it from a resources perspective, right? Yeah, you might be right. Maybe we are too excited here in the Delagarza household about this movie. No, it's maybe great we, that... you know, maybe we shouldn't be as jacked up as we are about it for this hey, weekend viewing. You but... know what? You love Ted Lasso, and the rest of the world loves Ted Lasso. I couldn't really hang with it, but I'm wanna... the one that's wrong on that end. So I'm hoping I'm wrong again, and I'm hoping that both of you have a great time watching Chaos Walking. I really do. I really do. And I'm hoping I'm wrong. I just, when I see these trends and and as far as in the movie industry and you see the history and how it goes, it's kind of hard to say, you know what? Oh my gosh, it's going to be just great and dandy. But again, I'm hoping I'm wrong when it comes to Chaos Walking. But what are your thoughts out there on Chaos Walking, Coming to America 2, and Raya and the Last Dragon? Coming to theaters in the case of Chaos Walking and Ryan the Last Dragon, and of course, Coming to America 2, and also Ryan the Last Dragon coming to streaming outlets as well. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, if you checked it out this weekend, and which, if any, that you like the best. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, Check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Before we hit the break, I wanted to go ahead and mention we've got coming up after the half hour, Noe and Fine from Honey Queen talking about Tom and Jerry a little bit just for a few minutes. And then TJ Johnson also for a few minutes talking about the underappreciated and animated movie you got to check out right now on HBO Max, Justice League Dark apocalypse war but right now my friend i wanted to ask you this when it comes to psvr playstation virtual reality they announced some games that i guess i was kind of like a state of play like the week after like they had the playstation state of play last week and i don't know why they just didn't include it with it but they kind of made this a separate deal and it kind of just like slowly trickulated out almost like via press release it was it was kind of underwhelming which is pretty much going into what I'm going to say here in a minute, but they announced some games. The Doom 3 VR updated version is great, but then again, that's a game from the 1990s, so I'm not sure exactly if a lot of people will be interested in playing it, but I hear a lot of cool things on it and seeing some footage hopefully will alleviate a lot of people's stress, but there were some other games that are also coming out for the PlayStation VR, but again, this comes down to very little support from major developers. We saw Hitman 3, which is a top-rated game this year, come out with a VR version that 
is not so great when you look mm -hmm. at it. And I've seen a lot of footage of that. But your thoughts on PlayStation VR, Oculus Quest 2, I mean, they've got some great experiences, but the problem is VR has never come into fruition the way that a lot of people were hoping it would be and kind of the way I thought it would end up. I mean, I just didn't think it would go over. It didn't go over in the 90s, and it's not really going over now. Yeah, man, I remember walking through a Toys R Us in the early 90s and like seeing a VR system and thinking, whoa, wow, that's the future. And two years later, it was just gone. Nobody was talking about it. I remember my grandfather pestered me about that for probably seven years after we saw that thing and just really, hey, Marcus, you want one of those VR systems? You better start working for it. And it's just like, man, they are dead. I, we don't need to talk about this anymore. And unfortunately, that's the direction that we're heading right now. VR is, is going back towards being dead again. And unfortunately, I think it's an issue of high barrier to entry there out the gate and lack of content, man. Uh, it's it's kind of sad to see that no major studio really wants to take this on. But at the same time, obviously, they, they've done the market research and they know that the money's not there yet. Some of this kind of comes back around to the fact that we're moving more towards lifestyle brands, lifestyle gaming. You want to be able to grab your Switch and walk out the door with it and go play it on your on your lunch break. You want to be able to play while you're riding the bus or, you know, commuting to work, whatever it is. And that's not something you can do with a VR set. You know, the Oculus, what is it, the Go now? You know, Or the Oculus Quest 2 or whatever they want to call it. Yeah, I mean, obviously you can, as you know, some of those are wireless. You can do whatever you want with them, but there's just no taking those really outside of your your home environment to me. And it's not because of a price point, man. Because these are now what two ninety nine, three ninety nine, yeah, sometimes even under two hundred dollars during the holiday season. They were trying to sell it off as. Yeah, and and I get that, you know, but it was initially an issue of high barrier to entry, you know, where the VR systems were a lot more expensive than this. Oh yeah, and I think that created a a black hole of, you know, you didn't have enough customers, you didn't have enough customers means you don't have enough game developers that are in interested in the platform, which means you don't have enough customers. And it's just a vicious cycle. It goes back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, the PSVR is just the sacrifice that was made here. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens with the whole virtual reality genre. I think it's going to stay around for a little while. I think developers and publishers are still going to try to force feed stuff onto it, whether it's part of a game such as we see with Hitman 3 or whether it's its own experience that they just put right on the VR platforms. But I'm just not holding out hope, my friend. I mean, it's just something I, again, I've lived through the 90s when it was first really trying to get into it. And I've lived through the period of now. I just don't see the allure enough to say, you know what, I want to go ahead and put all the apparatus on to get all the controllers ready and to try and experience it because I don't feel I will be as immersed. In fact, the times I've tried it, I have not felt immersed enough to say, you know what, this is where I want to go to in my next gaming direction. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's the few times I've, I've played VR, you know, at home for Christmas or, you know, at, at my wife's parents' place for Christmas, you know, somebody's got a VR set up and you just, you know, you put on the, the headset and you go. I've enjoyed it. I know you and I have talked about it in the past that, you know, sometimes you get a little motion sickness. I've never had that issue, but I know that's a very, very, very common thing for a lot of people. You know, a lot of times you hear, well, you know, you'll get over it after a few hours of play. But I mean, there's a lot of people that don't want to put that two or three hours of play of, of letting their body acclimate to the VR headset. You know, at this point, VR might be really need to key in on augmented reality. Give me some Google Glass that, you know, will project things out on the real world in front of me so I can see what I'm doing, see where I'm at in my environment. And I'm sold. But we just need to develop the technology to be a little bit more robust, I think.
Absolutely. What are your thoughts out there on the virtual reality genre as of now with the announcements of several new games on the way for PlayStation VR and also the Oculus Quest Go or Oculus Quest 2, whatever you want to call it? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Just the Let's just say Oculus. There you go. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> but my friend, before we hit the half hour mark and TJ Johnson and also knowing and fine talking about two things that they enjoyed on HBO Max in Tom and Jerry and also Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. I wanted to ask you this. I was thinking about this when we were talking about I was setting up and it looked like it was going to be a nice opportunity for people to go ahead and get into it. And then, of course, all the different streaming outlets that have popped up over the past two, three years. And I'm thinking to myself, there's other alternatives out there. In fact, the world of free streaming, and I put that in quotations, the quote unquote free, meaning it's going to be with ads. There's still a lot of options out there. I mean, I, I joked with... I think it was Josh about Sony and Crackle still being out there and still being alive after all these years. How? There's also, <laughs> yeah, how, I don't know how, but yes, yeah, still how there's also YouTube has a lot of movies that you can go ahead and pay for. I mean, a lot of stuff from the eighties and nineties classics, like the Terminator and some other great pop culture movies that you can watch right now. That's free with ads. There's also other ones like, like Peacock has a free with ads channel that gives you some limited content that's out there. But one of the things that popped up for me was an article that came up that says a, a long-running series on Amazon Prime, Bosch, which was a long-running series on Amazon Prime, it was canceled or actually, it's, you know, stopped. As it was after what seven, six, seven seasons, something like yeah, that. Their seventh season comes out this summer, and then they're going to be doing a. It's not a sequel. It's going to be like a whole other series, but it's got the same characters. It's like a. Well, yeah, yeah. But what I was going to say is, okay, it looked like for a while that it's going to end after seven seasons. Yeah, Amazon yeah. cut the rope on it, but they just announced this week that there is, like you said, a spinoff where Bosch. It's not going to be named Bosch, but it's going to be a spinoff series, but it's going to star the same characters in a little bit different format, but it's going to be on IMDb TV, which is actually owned by Amazon. Let's get that out of the way. Yep. But it's interesting to me when you take a closer look at IMDb TV and in recent months, they've promoted it a little bit more, a little bit more and a little bit more with the kind of content you get. And they have a decent array of content for a free network, essentially, which you are watching ads and things of that nature. But for a free network, it's something people need to take a look at because it has a lot to offer right now. It really does, man. I, I honestly hadn't been paying much attention to IMDb TV until you sent me the topics last night. And I had to hop on real quick and start looking through their catalog. They've got some really good stuff, dude. Just right out the gate, if you open up IMDb TV today, on their like main page is Meet Joe Black. You've got Mad Men. You've got the most recent 24 series, which wasn't very good, but we'll leave that comment back. They have a mix of older stuff and recent stuff from the last decade, modern stuff that some of these other free channels don't offer. Like, for instance, the YouTube channel, it's all classic stuff from the, you right, know, the early yeah. 2000s, 90s, and 80s. Here, it's kind of a broad mix of stuff, plus original shows that they are either have done are doing or going to be doing like we talked about with Bosch. I think that's the the really big kicker here is they're starting to ramp up their production of their in-house stuff. It sounds like it's going to be good content, right? You know, and it, it doesn't hurt that they've got Jeff Bezos on their board now. And so they can do things like partner with Amazon Studios to bring things like the spinoff of Bosch containing the same characters and really build their own brand on the backs of these characters that have really built Amazon Prime to be what it is. 
you know, on top of all the other content that's on IMDb TV right now is Mad Men. And I know that can be kind of a divisive TV show. There's people that really love it. There's people that really hate it. But it's a very, very, very highly watched TV show. And it's for free right now, all seven seasons on IMDb TV. They've had one of my all-time favorites, Blade Runner 2049. That yeah. was on there. And I, I tell you what, that's been a great success for them because ever, ever since it left the theaters, it's been a great success in selling DVDs and also in streaming markets. It's been a very watched movie ever since. I will say that this leads me to another question, and probably this is the one we'll go ahead and close out the half hour on, and that is this. IMDb is open by Amazon, and they're getting all this content. Why not just go ahead and combine it with Amazon Prime? Yeah, there's something weird going on here. Maybe it's something with the acquisition that they've done. Maybe it's something about Jeff Bezos doesn't have really complete total control over what's going on at IMDb TV. And who knows, maybe in the next year, we might see the acquisition here. We might see IMDb TV integrated for free with your Amazon Prime. We really don't know. I think that this is one of those things that business was moving too fast for the contracts were in place already. And so you just got to make do with what you have. So, well, you can do that right now. You can go to Amazon.com and you can interlink with IMDb TV from Amazon.com. So, yeah, I, I, I did I not just, know that, I, man. It's just, it's so weird that, you know, they just didn't say, you know, IMDb TV, we're just going to close you down and make all your content available on Amazon Prime. That's weird. Yeah. But at the same time, this gives them another outlet, right? Like it's the whole idea behind Target having, what is it, like 157 in-house brands, right? Like you need yeah. to diversify a little bit. And sometimes the best way to do that is just by, you know, having an offshoot studio or streaming platform nowadays that is pumping out a little bit of content that gives you a little diversification here. You can pump out some stuff over there that you wouldn't necessarily put on your main brand. What are your thoughts out there on IMDb TV? Is it sneaky good for you as well? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up after the break, it is once again... Noe and Fine from Hunnic Queen talking about Tom and Jerry and TJ Johnson coming up talking about Justice League Dark, the Apocalypse War. They're coming up after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. Once again, it's Snowy and Fine from Hunnic Queen and the Hunnic Outcasts. Join his awesome groups today at the Hunnic Queen and the Hunnic Outcasts. If you could just have two words for Tom and Jerry, and I don't mean to pick on Tom and Jerry, but it's gotten roasted over the coals on its reviews. And it did win the weekend box office at just shy of 14 million here domestically. But if you could find two words that best describes Tom and Jerry, what would that be? Happy accident. <laughs> it, 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 you know, seriously, really quick. I looked at the trailer you know, Chloe Grace Moretz is either under contract and she has no choice or they had this script. And they said, well, if we bring in Tom and Jerry, it'll all be OK, like with the Blair Witch sequel and a couple other movies. If he gave me 24 hours, I would rename. But she's talented. I like the actor who played the bellhop. We have Elise from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Michael Pena. Yeah. So it's not a bad thing. The only problem is, is that, look, when Tom and Jerry were on they did their classic shtick, which is not a bad thing. 
they weren't on much, and I like the fact that they looked like Tom and Jerry. I can't complain about that. Spike looked like Spike. Butch looked like Butch. You know, if you, if you remember, you know, that, that cat gang that would hang around with Tom. So I can't complain about that. The only problem is, is that it couldn't be 100% animated because that costs money. Or in the 1993 Tom and Jerry movie, we've got to have money. So the pros are it was classic Tom and Jerry when they were on. I just kind of wish that Chloe Grace Moretz's story and everything else would have gotten out of their way. But still, it's a charming movie. It ain't Roger Rabbit. And I don't think we'll ever have another Roger Rabbit anyway. Sonic was not Roger Rabbit. That's Tom and Jerry. And that's okay, too. But no, you're never going to have another Roger Rabbit as, as long as we live in this lifetime because of rights issues. It'd be nice if HBO would bring back a Tom and Jerry series. I don't think that's ever going to happen for reasons. Although they did bring back Looney Tunes. I don't know how well it did. I didn't watch it. Well, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, like I said, it is the number one box office hit. And actually, in the pandemic, during the course of the past, what, year, give or take, you probably have to rate this as the, the second largest opening behind the crudes during the pandemic. So I, I'd say that there is interest in it. And depending on the subscriptions or the, the amount of interest that is gained on HBO Max, you could see a Tom and Jerry cartoon series once again. Yeah, I would prefer to see them in seven-minute shorts because, again, I, I'm not taking anything away from these actors, but I really didn't care that Chloe Grace Moretz couldn't find work or she was you know, pretending something she wasn't. And this rich couple that were really nice, but he goes overboard to try to impress her. She did her best to try to pretend that Tom and Jerry wasn't there, but – Budget-wise, again, I keep going back to Roger Rabbit because Roger Rabbit, they'd have the voice actors dress up and be in character. They'd have the models. I guess Chloe Gris Moretz just like stood in front of a rubber ball and, and tried to talk to it. But then again, this is from Tim Story who gave his barbershop and those two Fantastic Four movies in Taxi. So I really wouldn't have it any other way. But unfortunately – for me, and yeah, I know the pandemic and whatnot, and I get that. But if anything, I would definitely say it's a B movie and a rainy day movie. I wouldn't own it. I would rent it, and I'd watch it every now and then. But then again, if I have HBO Max, I can just watch some classic Tom and Jerry cartoons. So it's one six half dozen of the other, but I'm hoping that Warner Brothers plays it smart and realizes – Instead of doing a sequel that I don't think is going to match this anyway, just put money into bringing back some shorts every now and again, the same way you're doing with Animaniacs. And you could do like 12 episodes, you know, a couple of seven-minute shorts for a year or two. It'll be that. Because, again, I know we're going to have Space Jam whatever coming up. And out of all these animated characters talking to humans in the 21st century the only one that really works for me and worth owning and rewatchability is sonic and that was out of dumb luck everything else in the past i go with roger rabbit and tom and jerry stay where they are in the classic cartoon series and maybe bring them back into some brand new adventures and just leave it at that
There's the thoughts of knowing and fine from Hunnic Queen on Tom and Jerry. If you have thoughts on Tom and Jerry, the movie that just came out and debuted at number one at the U.S. box office, please share your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you once again. I'm hoping to get my spirits lifted with a much better closure and an episode nine than what we've seen from episode seven and eight from WandaVision. But I'm looking forward still to a great season ending and possibly a great series ending for WandaVision coming up here on Friday. Once again, Noah Ian Fine, thank you so much again for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much for joining us. And I thought we'd throw out something different today because I had some enthusiastic responses from the gentleman just now talking about this. And he's here talking about Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which was one of the most recent DC animated movies to come out. And it's now available on HBO Max. It is my good friend, Anid. It is TJ Johnson. And TJ, you were just all over this. You were excited. You said, how come nobody told me about Justice League <laughs> Dark Apocalypse War? I am. I'm a little upset about that. I remember seeing the advertisement for it or like an ad on like Facebook or something. I don't know. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to pay money to see that right now. Like, I just, I just didn't want to pay the money to go see it. And I'm really upset with myself for not paying. I almost feel like I owe them 20 bucks just to say I watched this. Film. They're good. This They're really... good. You, you, you keep the 20 bucks. You okay, keep the cool, 20 cool, cool, cool. Okay. But it was, it was, it was really re- everything that I could have wanted. And I just don't understand why DC doesn't take the animated films and just make those live action. We, why why reinvent the wheel? Brother? We, we, we like the wheel as it is. It's already circular. Well, it, it was very good. And I want to give people a brief rundown. And hopefully they will get a chance to check it out. Because there will be a little bit of spoilers during the course of our conversation. But just the gist of it, it's a what-if scenario. And what if Darkseid had taken over the Earth and he basically captured killed or ruined the lives of many of the greatest superheroes in the DC universe. And he also tortured, killed many of the superheroes we know and and appreciate, including Superman, Wonder Woman, Hawkman, Cyborg, Batman, and so many others, leaving just a bare minimum of DC superheroes and antiheroes and villains to have to come together to go ahead and save the world so to speak. So I want to hear your thoughts extensively on this. What stuck out to me most was that this came on basically the heels of Avengers Endgame, which you can take strong similarities to. It is good in its own right, and that's not a bad formula to follow and emulate, but the dark side Thanos comparisons, they're always going to be there. They're always going to stay there. And, uh, you know, you can go ahead on it. If you're a DC fanboy, you can say Darkseid's better. If you're a Marvel fanboy, you can say that Thanos is better. It's really hard for them to go ahead and duplicate it, that type of formula. It is a very good film in its own right if you take it on its own logistics. What surprised me most, I had seen, and I actually kind of want to change our conversation earlier that we had yesterday in that I actually did see some scenes when it just clicked into place on YouTube and my algorithm. I actually saw a couple scenes like there was one in a throne room that I had seen before. 
And it caught my memory now when I was watching it. I'm like, oh, I remember seeing for about two minutes here, two minutes there. But it didn't give me the whole picture. And it didn't give me the whole answer on how everything was laid out on who was actually the most responsible for being the hero on it. And it just came as a surprise to me as I watched the entire film. And for me, that was the best part, was that the guy that's most responsible and the biggest hero of this all is not a Superman, is not a Batman. That's right. It's not a Green Lantern, is not a Wonder Woman. It's a guy in a trench coat. So I want to hear your (laughs) thoughts about Apocalypse War and the fact that Constantine got so much love. For anybody that's not familiar with the Justice League Dark Apocalypse War is a direct continuation of Justice League Dark. Mm-hmm. In that film, Batman recruits John Constantine, Zatanna, and some others to take care of some things that are going on in the not-so-physical dimension, if you will. So that's a direct continuation of Justice League Dark at the end of that one. Spoiler warning, I guess, if you haven't seen it. But at the end of Justice League Dark, they asked John Constantine and Zatanna to become members of the Justice League. So then Justice League Dark Apocalypse Wars picks up and they're members of the Justice League. And of course, they're they're lovers, boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't know what they are. Zatanna. I don't know what their status is yet. John and uh, Zatanna. So they're together. And it seems like everything's just going great. But you could you could tell that something was bothering her. You could tell something was bothering her in the beginning. And she wanted to make sure that she had told John she loved him and blah, blah, blah. So she she knew something was happening. And then... The way the story just takes off from there, you get this post-apocalyptic world where obviously, no pun intended, but Darkseid comes through and completely just Well, and it starts shot. off it starts off with a failed attempt. All of them go it to does. the planet slash mm-hmm. base of Darkseid, mm-hmm. and all the big superheroes are there, whichever yeah. the DC universe that you like and appreciate. Even Lex Luthor and Superman decided to yeah, go there together. And they all went there to this planet slash evil secret base and they go and fight off all the minions, but they failed in the process of doing so. And this basically tells the story of what happens after the failure of all these superheroes. And it shows Constantine watching his, his lover die, Zatanna, and one of the things that he has to live with years later as we pick up the story is the fact that he left her in her most time of need before she's ripped to pieces, yeah, essentially. absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not for the kids. Like this No, this is an R-rated. Is, yeah. This is R-rated. This is graphic. It is violent. There are F-bombs and profanity, profanity. But, you know, to be no, fair. They, I they didn't really have to do it. They didn't really have to go there. I thought, I, I, I thought I it was gratuitous. I thought it was gratuitous. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's better when they do the dark Batman with the Joker and all that, when they go R rated there, but they really didn't have to do it if they didn't want to. It just didn't, didn't seem like it is. No. Yeah. A lot of those, like the F bombs seem kind of forced in. They just seemed like it was gratuitous for no, no particular reason. So for that one, that's probably one of my only, uh, one of my only main critiques about the film that it just was extra for, for no particular reason. But outside of that, I thought the story was, was handled very well. Yes. It, it very much reminded me of Avengers Endgame and the fact that these heroes had this big plan. They failed spectacularly. And then the rest of the time the, the heroes spend trying to figure out a way to write the ship. Again, for me, it was just a great experience seeing the fact that someone other than the usual triumvirate of Batman, Wonder Woman, or Superman always saving the day. 
I like the fact that they chose someone outside of the box to be the key individual in this whole operation. Mm. But last but not least, uh, one thing that kind of ended on a sour note for me was once they freed Flash, who was like mind controlled into powering and keeping one of these wheels of operation going based on his speed alone. Power generator. Yeah. 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 Basically, at the end of the movie, they say, you know what you got to do, Flash? You know what you got to do? You got to go ahead and run real fast and change the present and and go back in the past and have us all go back in time once again. It's just Mm -hmm. like, he's like, oh, I don't want to do that again. Flashpoint again. It's just like, okay. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. If you could have done it in the first place, you should have done it in the first place. Back even before the credits started. (laughs) <laughs> before they even got on the spaceships and flew to the thing if, if you knew he had that power to back i mean it, it kind of ended for me on a sour note on that point it was just like you should have done that in the first 30 seconds then again there wouldn't have been a movie that took place well two things yes there wouldn't have been a movie but then also remember the first thing he said was god i promised i would never do that again i promised her i would never go back and rewrite because if you go back and watch the flashpoint paradox it was a fantastic film but you've seen the damage that was done how he had to go back and redo things again and he promised her he would never go back and do it again he would never take that trip he would never try to go back and rewrite history but he does but he does he he does go back and rewrite history and he 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 does it because at this point they've got nothing left because if you think about the way the end of the way the movie ended or the way the movie was about to end if he did not do that Right, there's going to be another one billion lives lost. No matter what, there was going to be another estimated one billion lives lost off the planet. The planet had lost 30 plus percent of their magma, which going any further left or right was either going to cause extreme heat where people would die or it was going to cause extreme cold people would freeze to death. So there was yeah. really nothing they were going to be able to do. And even as much as Superman tried to put on a, a good face to say, we got to still figure out a way to make this happen, there was going to be a lot of death that moved forward. And, and wouldn't you know it's Constantine that, that this tells you know him? Comes, that's right. You know a lot. You know what you got to do a lot. Yes. Yeah. Lot. He's like, you, you know what you know what you got to do, man. He's like, I promise I would never do it. He's like, yeah, you did. And we might make mistakes, but wherever we go back to is going to be better than where we are right now. Would be nice to have a Barry Allen around saying, you know what? Yesterday kind of sucked for me. Can you go ahead and go do that flashpoint <laughs> thing and like erase that Wednesday, you know, or something yeah, like that? Man. My friend, you're going to come back next week to talk about all the great things that happened and the things that maybe did not happen or the things that we can speculate (laughs) on from episode nine of WandaVision and then what's up ahead for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I look forward to our conversation then. Once again, it's T.A. Johnson. Here is thoughts on Justice League, Dark, The Apocalypse War, which is available right now on HBO Max. And I look forward to speaking to you next week, my friend, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Want to thank so much TJ Johnson and also knowing and fine for stopping by on the program to talk about Tom and Jerry and Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which are both now available on HBO Max. 
please go ahead and check out my previous conversation with both of them on the Wednesday show that we dropped on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel talking about WandaVision Episode 8 and what they're looking forward to in Episode 9. But before we head on out, my friend, wanted to go ahead and drop more bad news for you because I know you love it so much, my friend, on delays, 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 delays. And what do you think Vin Diesel said when he found out that Universal is pushing back once again? It's just a month this time, but it's to the end of June that they're pushing back Fast and Furious 9. I don't know. I have to imagine he was pretty furious at the studio exec when he got that phone call. But I live um, my life one delay at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. So, I mean, look, delays are just commonplace now. We talked about them nonstop in 2020. Luckily, we haven't faced too many in 2021. I hope we don't continue to face them. But, you know, it's fine. Whatever. A month delay on a Fast and Furious movie. Not the end of the world. Right, like it's not content that's going to totally shape my future. But at the end of the day, I want to be entertained. So give me those explosions next month, please. There you go. Actually, it it was originally scheduled to be out on Memorial Day weekend. It's coming out on June 25th, as of now, June 25th, as of now. But the one that really got hit was Minions: The Rise of Gru. That one is the really one that got hit hard. That was moved back almost exactly to the day, a year. From July 2nd of this year to July 1st of next year. And I think that it's been a movie that I think was originally supposed to be on in 2020. So to give people an idea that it will probably be a movie that's been sitting on the shelf for quite a bit. Well, is it sitting on the shelf or were they still trying to finish things when pandemic first started and they just possibly? Yeah. And so if that's the case, that's fine. But if it's been sitting on the shelf for a while, you know, how dated are some of the jokes? I feel like. All the Minions movies have been pretty on point when it comes they to the pop They make a ton of money. Yeah, and they've been on point when it comes to the pop culture references. That's what I worry about. You know, so we'll see what happens here, man. I think it's sad to see that we're continuing with the delays, but it's a side effect of the world we're living in right now. So unfortunately, that's what it is. But we just got to move forward, Gerald. It's And it's going to happen. These movies will come out. It just sucks that we got to wait. Absolutely, my friend. But what are your thoughts out there on the delays for Fast and Furious 9? You won't see Vin Diesel revving it up for another month on that. So it's been delayed to late June. Plus also as well, a whole year you have to wait for Minions, The Rise of Gru. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, there's still a little bit more to talk about before we head on out, my friend. A new Star Trek movie. Okay, stop me if you ever heard this before. But a new Star Trek movie is in the works again. Again. Again, yes. So we've heard several different versions now of Star Trek movies and works. One from Quentin Tarantino, which is supposed to be an R-rated. Then we've heard some other ones where Chris Pine was going to see Chris Hemsworth, who was his dad, go back in time, a time-drifting type deal. And then you have this one now, which is going to be written by Fear the Walking Dead co-executive producer Kalinda Vasquez, who in this article is commissioned by Paramount, Paramount again, writing an original Star Trek movie for Paramount Pictures, along with, of course, J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot producing. And it's so funny because Bad Robot is now all over the place. I mean, we talked about him on the Monday show with the new Mm -hmm. Superman story that's in the works. And now we talk about possibly producing a new Star Trek movie. Of course, we know his past with the Star Trek movies. So I want to hear your thoughts. Do you actually believe that this will be the actual Star Trek film that hits the theaters. 
this is looking more promising than not at this point. You know, the fact that J.J. Abrams' name is attached to this one makes me feel a little bit more confident. Grabbing the, did you say it was the writer from The Fear of the Walking Dead? Uh, uh, she just... is a co-executive producer, I think, okay. from what I'm understanding. So yeah. she, but she is writing this. Yeah, and and you know, to me that that speaks volumes, just because she knows how to create a compelling storyline with Fear of the Walking Dead, even if it didn't have as much success as we were hoping as The Walking Dead. But the first season I thought was still compelling. I, I really enjoyed that first. Season. I got to talk with my good friend Daphne Matthew, who is uh, so much of a Walking Dead fan. She's the specialist on that. She'll tell you enough about the Fear of the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead on that, because amongst these super fans, there is a segmented population about how much they like the walking dead and how much they don't like fear the walking dead and i get that dude and it's just you can't please everybody and and so what it comes down to for me is the first season of fear the walking dead was to a casual fan you know the 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 people like me it was very entertaining you had some jumps here and there and really kept you interested at least it kept me interested in the season so looking forward to this star trek film if it actually does occur we know that it's going to have all the effects, all the great storylines, and J.J. Abrams really is tied into this, or even just Bad Robot. Generally, you know that they're going to put out some great content here. Well, we'll wait and see if a Star Trek movie does come to fruition, and if it's this version that's now being produced by Bad Robot and also being written by the co-executive producer of Fear of the Walking Dead, if that's the actual one that comes on the screen. Before we head on out, my friend, two last things to talk about. Simpsons getting renewed for seasons 33 and 34. Will this show ever stop? Why should it, man? I mean, like, you know, you said they don't ever get renewed for just one season at a time. It's always two. This one will take us through 757 episodes. That'll be 34 seasons worth of content. Is that all? Yeah. I'm just going to say it right now. The Simpsons are going to call their own cancellation, and they're going to do it probably two seasons before they actually get canceled. That way we can say when they do get canceled, simpsons did it and you know who's reaping the rewards disney plus because that's all residual stuff that you can get right there yeah before we head on out my friend there's a list that came to our attention uh, on ign who we give praise for (laughs) at times for doing a lot of great work but sometimes they do things that make me scratch my head and one of them is they created a list for the top 25 mcu heroes heroes of the marvel cinematic universe so here's the list 25, Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. Scarlet Witch. 24 is Brunhilde, a.k.a. Valkyrie. 23 is Shuri. 22 is Clint Barton, Hawkeye. No love for Hawkeye there. Mm. 21, Karen Page. You're asking yourself, who is that? She is from the (laughs) Netflix Daredevil series. I mean, a lot of people are asking themselves, who is that? Literally. 20 is Rocket. 19 is Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier. No love for Bucky Barnes. 18 is Sam Wilson, Falcon. So hopefully this TV series will bring both those guys up because I think they deserve it. 17 is Nebula. 16 is War Machine, James Rose. 15 is Jessica Jones, above all those other characters. Number 14 is Gamora. Number 13 is Phil Coulson, Agent Coulson from S.H.I.E.L.D. Number 12 is Nick Fury, his boss. Number 11 is Star-Lord. Number 10 is Matt Murdock, Daredevil himself. Number nine is Peggy Carter, which was a big surprise to a lot of people. I love Peggy Carter. I think that was an awesome show, Agent Carter, for season one. I think that's a little high on my list right there. But Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man, that's a number eight. Bruce Banner, the Hulk, is number seven. Then we have King T'Challa, Black Panther. It may even be higher if you want. That sounds fine to me. 
Number five is Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. I think she should be higher. Number four is Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Of course, everybody loves Spider-Man. Number three is Thor, and that's because of Chris Hemsworth. He's done such a great job in the most recent times for the MCU. Number two and number one was a surprise. Now, they put Tony Stark, Iron Man, at number two, and number one was Captain America. I like that, personally. But again, we all know this MCU wouldn't beat the MCU without Tony Stark. So I want to ask you this before we head on out. Got just a couple minutes left. Your thoughts on this list and any major changes you would make? Yeah, this is a, a terrible list. And I can just tell you right now, my top five would be Iron Man, King T'Challa, Captain America, Spider-Man, Thor, and then that liar fifth, Star-Lord, Peter Quill. Well, you actually, I think you had six right there for you. Did I? One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll take five with the alternate being Peter Quill. You know, like okay, if something right. happened to Thor or Spider-Man or something, yeah, fine. Uh, yeah, Black Widow's higher on my list. I mean, there's so many things I could do. You know, if I was the editor at IGN who saw this, it's a digital, I understand that, but I would digitally just roll this up into a ball and throw this into the trash because some of this love that they have for the Defender series on Netflix, I'm sorry, oh, there's terrible. a reason why it's yeah. it's no longer on Netflix for a reason. I get people's love for Daredevil and the fact Matt Murdock is coming back to Spider-Man 3 and all that. That's great. But he would still be on the lower part of anyone's top 25, rightfully so, because he's not spent that much time in the MCU other than just randomly mentioning the stuff in New York because they couldn't because of legal reasons. So, right. yeah. yeah, I mean, just the love for these Netflix series. I mean, it's obvious you can tell by his list that that happened. But again, a lot of these people that were indicated on this list on the lower end were just, they were just, they were wronged in no way shape or form yeah even wanda maximoff should have been moved higher up the list i know she has her own thing of like not being a hero for a long time vision. where is vision where is vision actually good point but seriously though gerald really 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 bad list here out of ign and they should feel ashamed of it. yes they should my friend indeed but what are your thoughts when you check it out if you go to ign.com and we'll actually pop link somewhere on the description in this podcast It'll be the top Marvel MCU heroes from IGN.com. What are your thoughts on this list? Do you dislike it as much as we do? Or is it something you approve of? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for being a part of it. I know WandaVision episode nine, the finale is upon us as we're talking right here as you're listening mm -hmm. to us. So any last thoughts on the way out? Just that IGN really did Wanda dirty here and needs to just go ahead and drill the hard drives of the people that wrote the article for the top 25 best Marvel heroes and just say that, hey, WandaVision, you're number one in our hearts and let's do this. Let's really enjoy this last episode. I'm looking forward to hearing your discussion on Monday. I'm guessing Elowen's coming back to give her final take. I'll see if I can have Elowen, Noah, TJ. Well, you're welcome too, my friend, if you want. I, I mean, every now and then I do make my appearances on Mondays, so it you might know, be... You're going to hear from Josh. We're all going to be talking about WandaVision Episode 9. You know, I'm supposed to be at the beach this weekend, but maybe I could do a little little pop-in appearance here and there. So Sounds good. We'll even tape it separately. We'll go ahead and, and do that for you right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So look for that. It's our spoilerific episode talking about WandaVision Episode 9, and that comes this Monday right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Marcus De La Garza, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. 
We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great